You know, it's funny because sometimes people aren't, you know. There's been a couple times I've seen somebody like, they get up and I'm like, okay, well, sorry. <laughs> but um, just pr- praying for today, I already knew in my heart because pastor's message the last, you know, several weeks has been on the body of Christ and our identity and really wanting to us to understand who we are as a church and as a body. And he's talked a lot about, especially last week, you know, we have our part you know, God does not do our part. We have our own part. And he talked about, you know, the authority and God's principles. God's power and his principles are operated through certain um, ways of God. God has his own ways and standards and principles of how he um, works out covenant with us. And so he kept talking about authority. And so I wanted to touch on a little bit more about authority today. And, you know, this is not a message, you know, we haven't um, heard about or we've, you know, uh, had teachings on. But today is just one of those days where I really felt in my heart and in my spirit, the Lord really wanted, um, maybe it's for me, I don't know. But he just really um, impressed in my heart to speak on authority today. And really about authority and power and the differences between them. So that we get a little more understanding of who we are in the body of Christ. Um, Are you ready? Well, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord. Lord, we ask you not only, we're, we're thankful you're here, but we ask you to open up our hearts and our minds and our ears, Lord, that we can hear your revelation. Lord, each one of us are individuals that you created, and we're all in different places, and I know the word comes and speaks to us in our own lives. And so, Lord, we just We just give you permission right now to take any part of the word today and pierce our hearts and show us, Lord, what you want us to hear and see today. And we give you that permission and we receive it with joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't you want to receive the word with gladness? The word tells us to do that. When you're hearing the word, you know, one of our mentors, I would go into his office and he has this big picture and there's a man preaching and in a church and all in the um, ceiling are like angels listening to him preach. And um, it's just, and it talks about how angels, the word talks about how angels are always so amazed at the redemption story and of how man is working it out in their lives. And so of course, you know, I look at that picture and every time I get up to preach, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they're here. Maybe they're not. I'm just kidding. Um, but they are, you know, the angels, spiritual beings are in our lives. And the Lord has given us ministering angels to help us in our lives. And so we thank the Lord for all of those benefits. You know, there's two major experiences in a believer's life. The first one is, we have a lot of experience, but two major ones. The first one is the new birth. When we're born again, when we receive Jesus and we, you know, say we are sinners, we ask for forgiveness. We receive Jesus as our Lord and he comes in and he renews our spirit. It's something that's done inward. It's, there's no outward manifestation of that. It's on the inside and we are renewed in the spirit and that's the new birth. And it comes with benefits. Even after we're born again, there are certain things we are led into the fruit of the spirit. Those are things of the spirit that we learn and we develop and we grow in love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, self-control, all of those things. We, um, we begin to develop and grow. And sometimes it takes some people longer than others, right? You know, and how many of you know, you can be mad about something, but you still have joy on the inside of you. That's a spiritual thing. You know, something can be going wrong, but you still have confidence. You know, people can be completely going crazy and you know how to temper yourself, you know, and not react. And so those are things that the spirit on the inside of us, we grow and develop in. 
Well, the second major thing is um, when a believer then is filled with the Holy Spirit, and that is when we um, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. And that is an outward manifestation. And those things also come with benefits. I mean, the Corinthians talks about the things of the Spirit that have outward manifestations are, um, you know, like the... Um, 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 yeah, I know them. Honestly, I do. They just left me right now. Um, it's the discerning of spirit, healings, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Um, all of these things can be heard in there for the benefit of the church. And so they are to edify and build up the church. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit and those um, gifts and evidence of those gifts or manifestations of those are about. But the new birth, when we're born again, there are other benefits that are given to us actually more than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And one of those gifts given to us at the new birth is our authority, the authority we receive in Jesus Christ that he gives us. And I want to take you to Matthew chapter eight, and we're going to look at a man who understood the authority and understood what authority was. And he himself was not even a man of the church. He was not even part of the Israelites, but he understood something. And this made Jesus like, he just was, he marveled at this. He was, he was just amazed at this. And this story starts off with, again, a centurion in chapter 8, verse 5. It starts off, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion. A centurion is part of the Roman army. He's military. He is a centurion is one who oversees 100 men. He's part of the Roman legion, which is like 6,000 men. And I only know this because it tells me that right here in my Bible, in my notes. So I didn't study that. Um, but a centurion came to him and said, Lord, my servant lies home at sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And the word grievously tormented means he was continually in pain, um, exceedingly, um, excessively in terrible pain. And Jesus said to him, well, I'll come to your house and I will heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Look at verse nine, for I am a man under authority. Now, if you have your Bibles, underline it, circle it. This word authority is the Greek word exousia, E-X-O-U-S-I-A. And it means authority. Authority means the power or right to give orders. One who makes decisions and enforces obedience. One who has power and jurisdiction and command, control, dominion, and rule. That's authority. Now, do you remember in Genesis chapter 1 when God created man? And he told Adam to take dominion and have rule. And he was to rule the earth and um, have that authority in the earth. Well, Adam sinned, and he gave up that authority to the devil. And the devil has a, a, a level of power and authority here in the earth. He does not have all power and authority, but he has some. And so this word authority is the same word that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 in the Great Commission. When he said, I have been given all power in heaven and earth. That word power, was, it was translated power, but it's actually authority. It's the same word exousia. So when Jesus said, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. 
And he said, and we're going to find out, he gives that authority to us. And he said, and those that follow me, well, he tells us to go and preach, you know, to all nations and make disciples. And those who follow me, these signs shall follow those that believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will um, uh, heal the sick and they will speak with other tongues and other things. And so that's the great commission. In the great commission, Jesus says, I have authority and I give it to you. And so this man here, this centurion, he says, I am a man under authority. Having soldiers under me, I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servants, do this, and he does it. Because he is a man of authority. Also, I mean, I want you to notice, he is a man that's under authority. Authority is always under submission. It's always sandwiched between submission. You know, someone may say, well, I'm an authority. I'm the owner of a business. I can do whatever I want. Well, you know what? Somebody had to give you a license to tell you what you could do, whatever you want. So so we're always under authority somewhere. There is a higher power, a higher channel that we are under, no matter what we do. And so he says, I am a man under authority, but I also have authority and give authority. And um, he said, this is what I do. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed. He turns to his disciples and he says, guys, listen. I, I'm telling you, I have not found so great faith. No, not even in Israel, not even in my own people, not even my own family, not even those that were chosen by God that have been preached to and prophesied to for centuries of who I am, who are always questioning me, who always doubt who I am. He's like, uh, this guy doesn't even, he's not even part of the church. But here he understands what authority is. He sees me. He knows that I have authority, and he knows what it means. You know, um, some of you may have been in the military. I'm, I'm a military brat. I don't know why they call us military brats, except for the fact that we had to move so much, and we probably whined and complained so much. But being in the military, you know, you were trained, you know, in all your boot camps. You know, they give you things to do that you don't even know why you're doing it. They, they don't tell you why. You just have to do it. And some of them are dumb things, you know. You just have to do them over and over and over and over because they're training you for in battle to take commands without questioning, right? Because when you get out there in the battle, you can't sit there and go, why are we doing this? Well, we should do it this way, blah, 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 you know. That's not going to help you. And so... That's what this man is saying. I know authority and I know what commands are. And I know what authority looks like. You have it, Jesus. You just say the word and it's done. I want you to know this man wasn't in church, but he got his prayers answered. Right? Because he believed God. He didn't stand there and question him. But Israel, his own church, his own family, his own people questioned him all the time. Always doubted who he was. Tried to figure it out. Let me tell you, authority is not hard. Authority is simple. Faith is not hard. We make it hard. We're always trying to find the 12 steps, the formula of faith. You know, we're always trying to study, 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 study. We have to get more and more and more and more. And then we don't do anything, right? We don't step out. Faith without works is dead. We have to do something, right? Bible says not only be hearers of the word, but be doers. And to believe God, when he says things at his word, when Jesus was standing, he was just amazed at this man. You know, there's a couple people in the Bible that I'm always amazed at. These are people that were not the church people. You're like him, this Roman centurion and the guy on the cross, right? He was never in church. He never got anybody saved. He wasn't baptized. You know, he didn't speak in tongues, but what did Jesus say? Today you're with me in paradise because he believed him. He saw who he was. And he didn't question. He knew it. And he received Jesus. 
And so we make things so hard sometimes, and we need to understand and receive what God, what Jesus has already done for us. It is finished, and let us understand it and walk in it and declare, really, the benefits of who we are. Amen? And so Jesus here says, you know what? Now I'm going to tell you guys, this is the next verse. And I, I'm going to tell you something else. Many will come from the east and the west and will sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you believed. So it's done. And his servant was healed that safe self same hour. So Jesus, you know, this is going to be a typical scenario. There's going to be people come outside, quote, the faith. And believe me, and they're the ones that are going to get their prayers answered. They're the ones that are going to be in heaven. And those that sit over here, supposed to be, you know, in the family of God and and God's children who don't believe him, who doubt him all the time, they're not going to get in. Scary, huh? But that's what Jesus is saying. Again, Jesus is commending someone who understands authority and, and he believed it without even knowing all the doctrinal truths of who Jesus is. But he saw him and his authority, believed him, and got his prayers answered. Hallelujah. Amen. So I want to um, go to, uh, what do I want to go to? I want to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Again, authority is not difficult. Um, We make it hard. And we're going to look at when was this authority given to the church. In Ephesians chapter 1, if you'll go there. And we're going to start looking in verses uh, 19. There was a time when God showed, and I told you that there's a difference between power and authority. And I'll I'll get to that in a little bit more. But this is a time where God showed his, his, I can't say these words, exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. There was a time God showed his great power when he raised Jesus from the dead. There is a scripture in the Old Testament, in Isaiah the, Isaiah 53. This is the famous, the famous redemption chapter. This is the one that... This is the one that says, starts off with, Who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? You could say it like this. The arm of the Lord is revealed to those who believe the report to those who believe the report, the report of this whole chapter, because it goes into the report, talks about when Jesus was the lamb came and he was the sacrifice. And he, again, he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He bore our sicknesses, um, our sorrows. We did esteem him not all we like sheep have gone astray. And, and then it goes on to talk about even in the end where he sits up in the heavens and intercedes for us. This is talking, it's a salvation chapter. It's a redemption chapter. It's all the things that Jesus did for us on the cross. And it was preached and prophesied way back, hundreds of years before this moment when Jesus is speaking to the centurion or when he's speaking to the church here in, um, or when Paul's speaking to the church in um, Ephesians. But again, who has believed our report? The arm of the Lord is revealed to those who believe. Well, let me tell you, when God made creation, or when he created the universe, did you not, he didn't use all of his power. Actually, the Bible says that God, in his, when he created the earth and the heavens, he used his hand. 
And when he created the stars, the moon, he used his fingers. But when he raised Jesus from the dead, he used his arm. I want you to notice he didn't use both arms. He used one arm. But he showed great, exceeding power. That's what Ephesians is saying right here. When he raised him from the dead, he showed that power that day. And God has power. Now, I want you to note also that when Adam fell and sinned in the garden and he lost authority, he did, God did not lose his power. God didn't say, Jesus, hurry up and go down there and fix this because I'm so weak. No, God did not lose his power. God has never lost his power. He's always had his power. But his power actually comes in through our lives through a channel, and it's called authority. And he has set up these principles. So he didn't use all of his power to raise Jesus from the dead. But let me tell you, there was an arm wrestling match down there in hell. And guess who won? That's right. The fight was over the body of Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit, raised him up. Jesus didn't raise himself. God did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he won that arm wrestling match. And let me tell you, it wasn't a long match. Right? It wasn't long at all because God didn't even have to use all of his power. Right? Again, there was a time when God showed this power. And it's right here. And this exceeding great power that God used for us who believe according to the working of his power in us, which he wrought in Christ. In other words, he did it through Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principalities and power. Now this word power is not the power of God. It's talking about the power of the devil. But it's the same word, exousia. It means authority. So he's saying Jesus was set above, far above all powers and principalities, all authorities that the devil has. And every name that is named, not only in this world or this age, but the ages to come. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, the father set him up there and gave him authority over all the authority of the devil. And then he says, look at verse 22. And then he put all things and hath put all things under his feet. In other words, all these things, all these powers and principalities, these things, things of the enemy are put under his feet. And he gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. We're the body. Jesus is the head way up here. His feet are way down here. The enemy's under his feet. What's in between? The body of Christ, the church. Let me tell you, Jesus does not have authority over the devil. Did you know that? We do. All authority has been given to us. We're the ones that fulfill all in all. We're the ones that God has set up to fulfill his works, to defeat the works of the enemy, the devil. So that authority, it flows through us. And that's the way he set it up. That authority is ours and it belongs to us. It was given to the church right here. Again, that Roman, he didn't know anything about that, but he saw it and walked in it and moved it in. And you know what? You don't have to be a great theologian to understand authority and and have it work in your life, right? He wasn't, but he was military and he understood principles. 
And so new believers, this is part of our benefits of being a new believer is again, Jesus had power in heaven and earth. Remember he, Jesus said that in Matthew, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. But before he came again, God didn't lose the power, but he lost authority in the earth. Jesus came and took back when he was raised from the dead, that authority and gave it back to its rightful owners, which is us because God gave it to us in the first place in Genesis to have dominion and rule and authority in the earth. So it was given back to us by Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Again, God is as powerful as as he has ever been. But he invests into his creation, his authority to fulfill the works in the earth. Amen? So, Jesus didn't keep the authority. He turned it right back to us. Um, let's go to, I wanted you to turn to, I, um, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at another, another part of authority. And again, authority is not only wrapped up, you know, in, again, there's a channel for authority to come in, um, through, but we're going to find out here that it's also functions through the name of Jesus. And starting in verse 17 of Luke 10, and when the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. Now, these are the 70 that Jesus sent out two by two to go into all the cities and preach. And so he's, they, they came back so excited because, you know, they cast out demons, you know, and they were very excited. We said, we did this in your name. And Jesus said to them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. You, you wonder why Jesus put that in there right there, huh? I, I saw lightning. First of all, how fast does lightning come from heaven to earth? It's quick. Psh, psh, right? Sometimes you don't even see it. You have to be kind of like staring at the sky and hopefully, you know, get a glimpse because it's very fast. You'll see the effects of light behind it. But it's quick. In other words, the devil fell from heaven very quickly. He wasn't up there, you know, he, when he rebelled and God kicked him out. It didn't take long. And now, the other thing is, we make the devil so much bigger than he really is. You know, he's not that. We have authority over him. He doesn't have power in our life, but we make him so big, like he can do all this stuff to us. And we're going to see one day, we're going to look at him and go, that's the devil. Seriously? You know, Jesus is like, hey, I saw him. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about the devil. And he, and he goes on to say, behold, I give unto you power. Now, guess what this word is? Exousia. It means authority. Jesus said, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over what? How much power of the enemy? All the power of the enemy. He's given us authority. And he says, you've got it. Don't worry about it. I've seen the devil fall. He's, he's not that big of a deal. Okay. Quit making him out to be such a big deal in your life. Take authority over his, what he's trying to do and move on. Don't stand there glorifying the devil in your life. You have authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I'll get back to that in a minute. But again, it, it is, um, the authority given to us the power is channeled, God's power is channeled through the authority he gives us. You know, we look at the lights here 
in this room. I'm so glad they're on because, you know, I, well, I'm glad I have, I'm glad I have glasses too. But, um, we, you know, because if we couldn't read, we'd be sitting in the dark. We're glad for lights, you know. But the, how do the lights come on? How did the power come on here? How does it get here? Well, there's a plant across town, right, somewhere over there, whether it's Edison or PCO or whatever they are. They're, how does the power get here? There's a channel it comes through. It's wires, you know, that get here. And so, but over at the plant, that's where the power comes from, and it gets here, and we use it. But even though at the power plant, they have to flip a switch somewhere to turn the power on, right? Let me tell you, how you turn the power on is your faith. You believe what God has to say. You believe his word when he says who he is and what he does. That's what triggers the power. And then the authority you use in the name of Jesus is the channel that power comes through. And then you've got light. Then you've got a manifestation of the power of God in your life. And so that's what he's saying here, that we are the channels um, and God uses us. It's our part. God's not going to do our part for us. You can't keep saying, Jesus, come and take care of the devil. No, he tells you take care of the devil. You're the one that has authority over him. I don't have authority over him. I'm the head. You know, power comes from up, but it comes through you. You take care of it. And so um, let's turn to, um, oh, I wanted to talk about this um, when he talked about treading on the feet. You know, in the Old Testament, remember when David killed Goliath and he stepped on his, you know, neck and cut his head off? Um, I know that's kind of gruesome, huh? But that is the most degrading thing to do. You know, they would always do it. They would kill the people, but they, if it was a king or if it was a, you know, a warrior or if it was somebody important, they would always cut their head off and put, them on, put it up on a pole. It's kind of gruesome. But, I mean, even today we've seen that in, you know, other countries. People want to behead because it's so degrading to do. But you have to see that that's what the enemy, the enemy wants to come in and bring such fear and torment into your life that you're so confused. You get away from the word of God. You get away, you get in fear, you get in doubt and unbelieving. And you're not like the centurion that just believes God, you know, and you're questioning. And then you end up in a place of just, you know, torment. And Bible says, you know what, just put your foot on the devil and cut his head off and say, you're dead in this situation, Right. You have no power. You have no life. Nothing in this situation in the name of Jesus. It's always in the name of Jesus. Amen? It's like a police officer. You know, let me just say this. If you were going to face the devil by yourself, you would lose, right? Because, you know, physically, if we're, you know, we are inferior creatures to the devil. Um, if we were to face him and in a fight, we'd lose. But we have authority over him, so we win, Right? Well, you know, I think about the seven sons of Sceva. Remember that story? One, one demon, really, he, he basically, well, I, don't, I wouldn't say that. Anyway, he beat them up. They ended up running out of the house, you know, naked and wounded. And that was one demon against seven men. They couldn't fight the demon. So it's not, we're not after the demon. We're after what we call, but we have authority over them. So our battle is not flesh and blood, the Bible says. It's over powers and principalities. And it's in the spirit and it's in our authority that we have dominion over the enemy. Again, it's uh, it's like a police officer. If the traffic signal went out, out here, if it went out, out here, what do they do? They get out there and they'll stand there and they'll, you know, stand there and they'll, cars hold here and they'll tell those cars to go this way or you know that way or whatever but they have authority they stand there 
You know, there's an officer, he's in a uniform, he has a badge, he has weapons, and he stands there in the place of a certain power, and he has authority. And when he says stop, those cars stop. Now, does he have, does he really have power over those cars? No, a a car could run over him and kill him, right? If anyone were to resist his authority and drive through, he better get out of the way, right? Because they are resisting his authority. But as he stands there, he has authority. He doesn't, he doesn't have power over the cars, even the smallest car. You seen those little smart cars? You're like, does that, does that, is that really safe? (laughs) I think I could like step on it. (laughs) You know, it does not look safe to me, but even the smallest car can hurt you and kill you and maim you, right? Because it has more power than you. He doesn't have power over the cars. He has authority. Um, if you resist authority though, you're going to face the power. What stands behind any authority is a power. Now the power is this. When the police officer stands up and he says, stop in the name of what? Yeah. He says, stop in the name of the law. The law is what has the power, right? It's the law that says what you can do and what you can't do. And he is an officer of the law and he has the uniform and the badges and he says what you can do and what you can't do because the law, the, the, the government, the local entities have empowered him or have invested in him who he is and what he can do by wearing this. Now he can be a little small Barney Fife officer, right? He can stand out there, a little tiny scrawny guy, and hold his hand up. And guess what? Those cars still have to stop and obey him. Doesn't matter his size. Doesn't matter what you think his worth is. He still has authority to do that because it's been invested to him. Well, let me tell you, you have authority too that's been invested to you. And you have a uniform. It's called the robe of righteousness. You know what? You've been given some weapons of warfare and you've been given a badge. You've been given the word of God. You've been given things to stand in authority because the power that's behind you is God, is Jesus. And Jesus said, I give you my authority. And if the devil wants to resist you, he's going to have to face me. I'm the power. Well, let me tell you, the devil doesn't want to face that. He's already done that right? He lost that arm wrestling match. He lost. He knows that power. He cannot win and he cannot beat. So what is he going to do? Do everything he can to deceive you. Everything he can to bring fear into your life. Everything he can to torment you so that your focus is on the devil and his works versus the word and your authority. And he gets you off track. Have you ever been off track? Sure. We've all been off track. We get off track and we have to find our way back. Praise the Lord for church. We come in. Don't you just love when you come into your worship? It just kind of, that plumb line puts you back in perspective. You know, that's what the spirit does. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Again, if he, if anybody resists the officer, if a car resists him and that car takes off and starts driving down the street and hits the freeway, we've all seen it on TV. (laughs) You know, they're all running and all these cop cars are chasing him, you know, and if he still is, you know, resisting, well, they'll pull out everything they can. You see the helicopters, you see the SWAT teams, everything they've got in their power to subdue that person who's resisting right? That they have the right. They're the law. 
And so that's what God is saying. You have the right to command. You have that right. You've been given every one of these. You've got a SWAT team. You've got everything you need in your arsenal to stop the devil and the works that he wants to do in your life. Amen? Right? Right. Okay. Again, if, you res- if, if anyone resists the authority, they're going to have to face the power. They're going to have to face. Um, <clears throat> you know, it really, really irks the devil too. What really ticks him off is we are, like I said, inferior creatures. You know, he would love to come at us physically one-on-one and just whip us, but he can't. But we, the inferior, we really are the little Barney Fifes, right? <laughs> but we have authority over him and we can take him down. And that just bugs him. That just, ugh. It's like you can just see him sitting in the garden waiting for God to bring out his creation that's going to undo him. And he comes out with a man. He's like, what? Really? That's it? But that man and that woman that were placed in the garden were given an authority and power by God in the name of Jesus, right? To take down uh, all the power of the enemy. All of it. Again, we win. Hallelujah. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 4. And I want you to see this too. Again, we don't have power over the devil. We have authority over the devil, right? Power comes from God through the authority he's given us in the name of Jesus. God still has the power, um, but we're the channel that it comes through. But we also have authority over all the works of the devil, not just him, not just the devil, not just his demons, but all the works of the devil. And we're going to look at this. Look in verse uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 33. And it says, this is where Jesus cast out an unclean spirit. And it says, and in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. And cries out with a loud voice, saying, let us alone. So here's a man, demon-possessed, but there's, there's many of them in there. But one speaks up and says, you know, leave us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him. Now, that word rebuke, I want you to underline and circle. And it's the Greek word epitomeo. It's E-P-I-T-I-M-A-O, epitomeo, and he rebuked him. And epitomeo means like to actually shout, like rebuke. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold your peace, come out of him. And when the devil was thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and did and hurt him not. And all were amazed and spake among themselves, saying, what a word is this? You know, I like that word too, epitomeo, just say it, epitomeo. Epitomeo, yeah, let's learn to say that. Um, and he said it. And he said, what word is this? With, for with authority and power, he commanded those unclean spirits with this word. And they came out, and the fame of him went out through every place in the country round about him. And look at verse 38. And then he rose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother, his mother-in-law, was taken with a great fever. And they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever. Well, guess what word this is? Epitomeo. So the same word he rebuked demon activity was the same word he rebuked a fever. It's the same word. And it says, and it left her and immediately she arose and ministered to them. Epitomeo. 
Jesus said, epitomeo, leave fever, epitomeo. So not only like any, you know, demonic activity, you know, and, you know, and let me just say, you know, there's a lot of, you know, you're, you see things, you're wondering, is that, is that demonic? You know, what is that? Some people think all mental illness is demonic. It's not. Some mental illness is chemical imbalance. It's from Medicaid. It's from all kinds of different things. There's some that is, and some's hereditary. Some, you know, it's just all different things. But when you see something, you know, that's when you just like, you try to get that when you grow and develop in the things of the Holy Spirit, you get that discerning of spirits. You get that, dis, you know, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, those kinds of things to kind of understand those. Now, most of us are like, okay, I'm going the other direction. <laughs> you know, we see something going on. We're like, ah, I don't want to deal with it. But I'm telling you, it's there. It's out there. And you have authority over it. But also, in the same way, just like in Isaiah 53, by his stripes were healed the redemption chapter, just like in the great commission, when Jesus said, go ye into all the world and make disciples. And these signs will follow those that believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with other tongues. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So these are all things that are manifestations of the authority we have in Jesus Christ. So we don't have to fear you know, what's going on. We can take authority over it. And the same rebuke for demonic activity was the same for a fever. You think they're two big different things. Well, we have the same authority over all the power, all the works of the devil in our lives. Amen. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad to know that? Again, the same word rebuked both situations. So let's say that again. Epitomeo. Epitomeo. (laughs) That's a good word to know. I want to turn back to Luke 10, and we're going to close with this. When he said, and the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through your name. And he said to them, I beheld Satan falling as, uh, as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But in any case, in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So wouldn't it be dumb for a cop, you know, for a police officer to be so excited because he has authority to stop a car. I can stop a car. Watch this. See what, watch me, watch what I can do. I have authority over cars. You're like, really? Oh, brother. Of course you do. That's not that big of a deal. But what's more impressive is a man, an officer of the law that has, again, authority, can go take down evil men who are wanting to harm and kill other people, right? That's more impressive. You're like, yeah, go do that, right? And so, again, When we look at authority and what we get in authority, Jesus said, don't marvel that you can cast out demons. That's just a given. Take care of it. You know, when the devil, don't make such a big deal about the devil and what he can do. He fell. The arm wrestling match is over. Don't give him all the glory. Look around and see who's not believing in Christ. Look around and see who can get their names written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Jesus said, that's more important to me, is that you are bringing people into the kingdom. And that your name is there, and see to it that others are too. Right? That's what his heart is. That men 
names, men and women, mankind, where our names are written in the lambs in, in heaven. That's what he's saying there. That authority is not about, oh, I've got authority, so now I'm going to start a new ministry, you know, because I can cast out whatever. No, it's about every believer has that, right? It's not just that one person that can do that. We all have that authority in our lives. And again, we don't have authority over people. We have authority over the devil. Remember that too, right? You don't have authority over, you know, we'd like to have authority over some people, right? But we don't. You know, we can pray over the power of the enemy in their lives, right? And rebuke what the enemy is trying to do to people. But be more concerned with people coming into the kingdom of God than casting out demons. You have authority, church. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. We are fitly joined together. And we've been called by God and given all kinds of blessings and benefits of God, not only in this life, you know, in in life, but in the spirit as well. That's what Peter says. We've been given all these benefits. All the promises are given to us. And we can step in them. We need to take our place and quit, you know, just, you know, whining about stuff. I'm not telling your whiners. I whine sometimes, you know, I understand. Um, we do that. Like I said, we get off track. We get our eyes focused on something. We get our eyes focused on all the terrible things that are going on in our world. And every time you turn the news, it's just terrible, you know, and it's so depressing. And you're just like, wow, you know, are we praying? Are we taking authority over powers and principalities of our cities, of our, of our neighborhoods, of our house? You know, are we taking our place in the kingdom and being aware of really what's going on? And are we have power, we have authority, and we can make a difference. And we can take our place as the body of Christ and do what Ephesians said, be the fulfillment of the things that God has called us to. We fulfill the things God. God's not going to come down here and do it. He's given it to us to do. Amen? Have you been blessed by the word? Oh, hallelujah. I pray you have. Okay. Well, the good news is when I preach, I, I, I quit early. I have all these notes and I just skim through them. But I just want to encourage you and I want to let you know about something. Um, part of our heart and plan for the Great Commission in the next few months is we are developing what we're going to be called, what is going to be called Discovery Bible Studies study groups. And what that is, and we're not going to give, I'm not going to give you all the details. What I'm asking today is for you to pray, pray for the leaders of the church, for the pastors, the staff and leaders, as we are developing these things, because this is going to be our part in helping fulfill the great commission. Now these discovery Bible studies, they're not for a bunch of Christians to get around and talk, you know, amongst each other about the word and make ourselves happy, which that's not bad. That's good. The Bible says we need to do that all the more as we see the day approaching. We need to encourage each other because the day is evil. The days are evil, right? We need to encourage each other. So it's not that, but our plan is this is for we're people to open up their homes, invite unbelievers. We want to have Bible studies with unbelievers and getting people saved and getting people into the kingdom and getting their names written in the Lamb's book of life. And we've got a plan. We've got some things that's anybody can do it. It's for new believers. You don't have to teach. It's nothing like that. It's so awesome. But we're, we're in the planning stages and we're developing right now. We'll be announcing the training for it. And it's, I'm telling you, I'm so excited because when I hear the Lord say things like that, you know what? Don't, don't get all, you know, hyped up that you can cast out a demon. Have you noticed anybody around you that their name is not written written in heaven? 
That's, that's where. And he told us, go out. Go get them. You know the story where the, the, the master was planning his wedding, the big wedding, and he had all this stuff done, all the spared no expense. And all of a sudden, everybody that was in his group or his tribe or his people, everybody had excuses why they couldn't come. And one by one, they all just didn't come. And the master said, you know what? Go to the highways and the byways. Go find those people that want to be here. Because the Lord says, I want my house full. He wants heaven full with people with their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So that's part, that's what we're uh, endeavoring to do in the next few months is we are going to be um, coming to you with this plan of getting these Discovery Bible Study groups out. So again, it's, it's for us to invite non-believers or even just new believers. And it's, it's so beautiful how it all works and how it happens. I, I can't wait to share it all with you. But right now, please be in prayer for us. Amen? That we are led of the Holy Spirit. Every Saturday morning, we've been meeting here in the sanctuary, some of us, and just praying for in the Spirit for an hour over what we know the Lord wants to launch through Valley Community Church. So pray with us in, in this endeavor as we do it um, unto the Lord. Every time I think about it, I just think the Lord's going to be so happy. It's going to bless him so much as we're bringing um, people into his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. Would you stand?